Let's turn our Bible this morning to the book of Mark. We'll be in Mark chapter number 15. Mark chapter number 15. And for some time on Sunday morning now, uh, we have been in a series entitled Standing Near the Cross. And uh, each and every Sunday, uh, we have looked at a different character who was present at the crucifixion of Christ and uh, learned a little bit about them. And uh, we've learned, I believe, how they're, they're more significant than sometimes we uh, liken uh, them to be. And today we'll look at a different uh, character that was at the cross. And uh, I, I know that there'll be uh, one or two more messages uh, in this series, but we'll see how the Lord uh, leads in the weeks ahead. But we're going to look today in uh, Mark chapter number 15. And I'll just say ahead of time, I'm going to give me your attention if you would. I've got a lot to get to uh, this morning, and I want to be mindful of the time, uh, but I may uh, take an extra five minutes, uh, and that's if you behave. If you don't behave, I'll, I'll just talk all afternoon, uh, but, uh, but I will be mindful of the time. There's some important truths I want to get to uh, this morning, and I can already see some of you thinking, well, Pastor, you're taking an extra five minutes every Sunday. Well, at least this Sunday I'm acknowledging it, okay? Uh, but uh, give me your attention, Mark chapter number 15. Of course, this is the account of the crucifixion of our Savior. Look with me, verse number 40 and 41. There are also women looking on afar off. What were they looking on? They were there looking at the crucifixion. Uh, they had seen, uh, they were looking upon that horrible scene, the execution. And of course, our Savior is nailed to the cross. Uh, they're paying our sin debt. There were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the less, and Joseph, and Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem. Uh, last week, we looked at a, a character from verse 40, uh, Mary, the mother of James, the less, and uh, Joseph. Today, we're going to look at Salome. Uh, Salome was a uh, faithful follower of Christ. Uh, but I want us to be uh, reminded of some things from her life today. And this, this morning, I'm going to preach on Salome, the mother of Zebedee's children. Salome, the mother of Zebedee's children. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray this morning that the Word of God would be real to us, that the Word of God would speak to us. And Father, you put everything in this book for us to learn from. And Father, I pray that as we once again visit the scene of Calvary, where our sins were paid for. We visit that place in Scripture where we're reminded of the price that Jesus paid because of our sin. And Father, may we be reminded today of our salvation for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Christ. Father, I pray that there's one listening today, whether they're in the building, watching by way of live stream, listening by radio, Father, if they have yet to put their faith in Christ, may they realize their need of salvation today. And Father, I pray that your will will be done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we find another witness of the crucifixion. A name that often falls into the background as we put our attention on the cross. We do not know a lot about this lady named Salome, but we do know enough to learn of the significance of her presence at such a cruel scene. If God took the time to 
let us know that she was there. It's important for us to understand a little bit about her. Uh, She was one of the many women who faithfully followed Christ. While overlooked by most, God made a point to preserve her in Scripture for eternity. In essence, he shines a light on Salome as he does these other characters and says to you and I, she was there. When so many others fled, when Christ was arrested, and when so many others fled, when Christ was mocked and beaten and uh, Christ was nailed to that cross, God mentions her in Scripture, and she was present in this darkest hour, and I believe that God wanted us to know that when others fled, she stayed with Christ in the darkest hour. With a little study this morning, we will see perhaps what God wants us to know and learn about this individual named Salome. As we find her with these other women and these other characters that we've already looked at in past weeks, it's important for us to be reminded that here is another individual who stayed faithful to the Lord to the very end. And I'll say more about this at the end of my message, but may I just offer a challenge to all of us this morning before I get into the outline. May that be our desire, may that be our testimony, that we would be faithful to the end. We're in a world today where those who we've discovered that it's not always easy to follow Christ, it's not always easy to do what we're supposed to do, but may we be faithful when it's popular. May we be faithful when it's unpopular. I remind you that this was not a popular time to be a follower of Christ. We today in this world we live in as Christians, uh, we, we we need our spiritual safe spaces because there's a little bit of persecution. It's not always popular to follow Christ, but may we never leave the cross. May we never leave the presence of the Lord. I want us to see, and I'll jump right to the outline because of time this morning, but I want us to see, number one, the relationships of Salome. Here we find another lady who is known by who she's related to. I want you to hold your place in Mark chapter number 15, but I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter number 20. We'll come back to our text in Mark 15, but we'll look in Mark or Matthew chapter number 20. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you once again that to begin with, we're going to look at the relationships of Salome. Matthew 20, verse number 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children. Here she is identified in Scripture, not by her name, but by who she was married to and the fact that she was the mother of his children. Matthew chapter number 27, just over a few chapters. Matthew chapter number 27. And here is the account in Matthew of the crucifixion of Christ. And as we saw in the book of Mark, she's identified by her name, Salome, as being present at the crucifixion. We find in Matthew chapter 27, verse 56, she is identified the same way she was identified in the book of Matthew among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. She is known by who she was related to. Who is this individual? Who were the children? The children were James and John, who along with Peter made up the inner circle of the disciples. 
who uh, would, they, these inner circle would see Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They would see him raise a young lady from the dead. They would be with him when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not such a bad thing to be known as the mother of James and John. This is significant also because the Lord took the time to make sure we knew who she was married to. She is known as the mother of Zebedee's children. Who was Zebedee? I invite you to turn with me to the beginning of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter number 4. In verse number 21, Matthew chapter number 4, in verse number 21, and going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. The Lord is calling James and John to follow him. But notice, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. James and John were in the fishing profession. Their boss was also their dad. They were on his fishing boats, and they were all mending their nets when the Lord came by and said, follow me. Now, we know that James and John left the family business. We know that James and John left behind their nets, and James and John followed the Lord Jesus Christ. I remind us of this because Scripture shows us in no way, in no place, did Zebedee, their father, protest them leaving the family business to go follow the Lord. We have mom, Salome, who ministered to Christ throughout his earthly ministry, who was present at the cross of Calvary. You have a father, you have a husband, you have a dad who did not protest and in, 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 in undoubtedly supported uh, his wife being a disciple of Christ, supported his sons leaving everything, leaving the family business to follow Christ to who knows where. It is obvious to me as we draw these conclusions that here is a family, here is a home that was on the same page when it was decided to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that Salome was free to follow the Lord Jesus. The fact that, uh, that twice Salome is referred to as the mother of Zebedee's children leads us to believe that while James and John would do greater works, be used in a prominent way, God wants us to also know that he's acknowledging Zebedee. Please don't miss this point. Please don't miss this truth. James and John would go on to be disciples, to be apostles, to do great works for Christ. Salome is mentioned by name two times in Scripture. Every other time she's mentioned, she's mentioned almost anonymously, or by the, she's the mother of so-and-so's children, of Zebedee's children. That's how she's identified. Zebedee is mentioned very, very briefly in Scripture. James and John are fishing with him. The Lord calls them, and undoubtedly, Zebedee was on board with everything that the Lord was doing. 
And God wants you and I to acknowledge because he's acknowledging that here's a faithful lady who reared her children and they were quick to follow me when the time came. Here is a man who undoubtedly knew the thrill of his boys working in, 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 in the business with him and then picking up what he had done. But yet when Jesus came calling, they left their nets they left the family business. And friend, you and I, sometimes we make sacrifices so that our home, our home honors the Lord. Let me remind you this morning that others may not see it, but I promise you God sees it. There's a lot of effort in getting that family ready and getting them out of church on Sunday morning to get them to Sunday school. There's a lot of effort as a home to say, we want to keep the things of God first. And sometimes the will of God for our own family interrupts our plans. I'll have to ask this question. I wonder how many James and Johns never became James and John because dad's dreams for them were greater than what God had planned for them. I wonder how many... James and John's were never James and John's because mom, Salome, was not on the same page. I wonder, Salome has a more prominent presence in Scripture than even Zebedee does, but yet we don't find any jealousy out of Zebedee. And I believe with my whole heart there's a reason why God mentions him by name because he wants us to know he's acknowledging what it took on his part to say, boys, go follow the Messiah. Go follow the Savior. Leave it all and go follow him. She's known for her relationships. And once again, we're reminded by this character that she's in pretty good company when it comes to her relationships. I want us to see quickly number two. I want us to see the devotion of Saul. We'll come back to the book of Matthew chapter 20 in a moment. But I want us to look back in our text in the book of Mark. Mark chapter number 15, again, our text. I want us to look first of all at verse 41. Who also, when he was in Galilee. Now, Siloam we know was there because she's named in verse number 40. In these ladies, we are told in verse 41, they also followed him in Galilee. So while Christ was in Galilee, teaching preaching. He was, he was, he was in the, the height of his ministry. He was helping. Uh, he was performing his miracles. They followed him then. In verse number 40, we find them at the crucifixion in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is roughly an 80-mile walk from Galilee. These ladies endured a two to three day trip at least over rocky terrain to follow Christ from Galilee to Jerusalem. And Christians today can't get in their car and follow Christ to the church house. We can't follow Christ in any way where it's inconvenient. And yet we have the devotion 
of this lady named Salome. Well, Pastor, I can't believe. Aren't we doing enough? Why would we want to do extra? And then church twice on Sunday and a midweek Bible study. We can go on and on and on. Friend, it's about devotion to Christ. It's about devotion to Him. I'm just here to remind you as God's mouthpiece this morning that Christ is everything and we should be devoted to Him above everything. I'll I'll speak for myself. What a testimony for this lady, Salome. Now, when I hear of, of her devotion to Christ, you call it whatever you call it, but there's something inside of me that says if she'll follow him on a two, three days journey to watch him be beaten and mocked and crucified, I can follow him in this world we live in. I can follow him on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. She was devoted. We also, in chapter number 16, verse number 1, we find that after he's crucified, she still is devoted. After Christ on the cross says it is finished and he gave up the ghost, I remind you once again, as I've reminded you every Sunday, He gave his life. It was not taken from him. Man did not have the power to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ gave his life. After being a witness to that, after after watching the chief priests and the others come by and mock him while he's on the cross, after watching the skies turn black, because of the sin and what was taking place and his heavenly father turning his back on him. After witnessing all of that and them taking him off the cross, where do we find her? Chapter 16, verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices they might come and anoint him. After his body had been taken from that cross, and Joseph of Arimathea took his body, and place it in that tomb, they come to anoint his body with sweet spices. Now, they got a surprise when they got there. We'll talk about that in a moment. But even after the rest of the crowd has dispersed, Salome was among those who said, we're going to come and we're going to anoint his body with spices. I don't think any of us, although... Her name may not be one of the first names that comes to mind when we think of Bible characters. Her name may not be one of the first ones that come to mind. And before this morning, perhaps very few of us could have even mentioned her name. If we would have said, who is the mother of James and John, we would have said, the wife of Zebedee. Because she was more known by that than her actual name. But let there be no mistake this morning that she was devoted to Christ. God recorded in his book, his word this morning, her devotion so that you and I are aware of it. Let me remind us this morning, the greatest thing that we'll ever do is be devoted to Christ. And, And man does not always acknowledge, nor do we need man to always acknowledge our devotion, but let me remind us this morning, God is aware of our devotion. God is aware of the lengths we go through to please him. 
and to serve Him and to be faithful to Him. He doesn't call us to serve Him and be faithful to Him whenever it's easy. There are going to be obstacles. There are going to be difficulties. And when we overcome those things because we're devoted to the Savior, I promise you there's a God in heaven who takes note of that devotion to Him. We may not be very familiar with her, but I kind of had a feeling those that were around the crucifixion had an idea who she was. They may not have known her by name either, but they probably knew her as one of those ladies that hung around the cross. One of those followers of Christ. Don't they ever get it? Are they ever going to go away? Well, the answer to that was no, because of the devotion. Now, I want us to get to number three, and I want us to see some important things in the third truth I want us to see this morning. This is very, very vital. We're back in Matthew chapter number 20. Now, I want to speak thirdly of the misunderstanding of Siloam. Now, I want you to pay very, very carefully to me the last two points of this message because there's an important truth that I believe that we need desperately in the day we live in today. Matthew chapter number 20 and verse number 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, they say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on the right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. We find an interesting passage of Scripture here, and if we're not careful, we'll miss the great truth that Christ brings out. We find this misunderstanding of Siloam. I have to be honest with you, just in casual reading of Scripture, whenever I came to this passage of Scripture, I had hold James and John in great esteem. What they did for Christ, of course, is for you and I to be acknowledged. They were greatly used. But i got to be honest when you just, when I casually would read, and I would read of Zebedee's mother and say, uh, you need to have my one son sit on one side and one son sit on the other. Would you please do that? I used to think, what is her problem? Part of me was like, just like a typical mother trying to do whatever she can do to get her sons to move ahead. And moms, you don't have to bow your head. We know it's true. It's, it's, it's the way it is. But I want to be very careful that this morning I don't want us to misjudge Siloam because the Lord did not rebuke her, he corrected her. And aren't you thankful that he corrects us and doesn't always rebuke us? He corrects us because of our ignorance. He corrects us because of our failure to understand. But Siloam was a lot like the disciples of that day, and I'm afraid a lot like Christians of this day. Salome was looking at the temporal or the immediate. Quite frankly, she was tired of the Roman rule. And if the Messiah was here to set up his kingdom, 
Let's do it today. And she believed that Jesus was the Messiah, as he was. She believed he was the Son of God, as he was and is. She believed all of that. She was a believer, but as he taught, she misunderstood when he said he's setting up his kingdom. She believed, as many of the disciples of that day, in many of those believers, that it was going to happen immediately. That was why he came, and she was looking at it from a temporal view. Quite frankly, she looked forward to the day when she didn't have to live under the rule of the cruel Roman Empire. When Christ, as we all have a tendency to feel, one day Christ will take his rightful place. Quite frankly, from a human fleshly side, I look forward to seeing all the deniers be put in their place. I look forward to seeing all of those who have, re, who have, who have rejected him and, and who have oppressed uh, uh, the Christians. I look forward to seeing them. But friend, that's a fleshly, temporal way to look at it. That's not how Christ looked at it. And many times we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because we're fed up with what we have to deal with here. We don't like the rule that we're under. And we'll make statements like, one day Jesus is coming back to make it all better. And he is. One day Christ is going to return. That day could be today. She makes a petition for her sons. If you're setting up your kingdom, would you let one sit on your right hand and one sit on your left and rule with you? After all, they are faithful followers. After all, they did leave the family business to follow you. The Lord corrects her in verse number 22 and 23. Stay, stay with me. This is an important point for us to see. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They, they say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on the right hand and to the, on the left is not mine to give. For it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared to my Father. Jesus corrects her and he, and, he, and he says, Are you willing to drink of the cup? What cup was he speaking of? If you think of the cup he spoke of while he was praying in the Garden of Eden... I'm sorry, the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the crucifixion. See, Christ had not come to set up his kingdom at that point. He came to go to the cross. Shalom was looking at the temporal. Christ was reminding of the eternal. That I must go to Calvary. I must bear the sins of the world. The persecution, the suffering, Christ came to suffer. He asked them, are you willing, are you able to drink of this cup? And they said, yes, we are. And he reminds them, you will drink of this cup. And they would drink of this cup because he turns the focus on their identification with him through suffering. James would be the first martyr amongst the disciples. John would be the last martyr amongst the disciples. 
Salome, as a mother, was seeing those earthly crowns for her children, but they would need to endure suffering for the heavenly crowns. This is the point I want us to see this morning. Christ was saying, it's not about me setting up my kingdom. It's not about the earthly crowns. But there's greater eternal things. And the eternal things, my kingdom does not take place without the cross. And there's a lot of religious and political speech today and speaking today that talks about the kingdom of Christ one day and they have eliminated the cross. You will not enter into the kingdom of heaven, you will not enter into the kingdom of God without the cross. And many think this way today. Yes, we are on the winning side. Yes, in the end, Christ will rule and reign. But in order to obtain eternal glory, we must each endure the fellowship of suffering. I'm not advocating this morning that we may be beheaded like the, the, the disciple James, or we may not be, be, be martyred as John and Peter and those other disciples. But friend, if we need to keep our eyes on the eternal and not be willing to train the, trade the eternal crown for the temporary ease. And we have a lot of, if I can say it in this terms, if you'll permit me, shallow Christianity, because we're saying, hey, Jesus, let me sit on the right hand, let me sit on the left, let's get your kingdom in here so our problems will go away. Quite frankly, we don't like our administration, so we want Jesus to come back and fix it all. And our eyes are off of the cross. This world needs to hear the preaching of the cross the preaching of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. What Christ was saying to Salome is there is no hope without Calvary. There is no hope of a kingdom without Calvary. There is no hope of eternity without Calvary. And friends, you and I need to be reminded this morning, we can talk in all the optimism we want to talk about, and yes, Jesus is coming back. And yes, he is going to set up his kingdom. But without the cross, there is no hope. Without the cross, there is no eternity where we are rewarded for our faithfulness. This morning, may we keep our eyes on the cross. Many do not understand what Siloam did not understand, that our victory is in the cross. Our ideology or our, idol, our, our, our hope is in the reproach of the cross. There's many today who will say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like the preaching of a, of a bloody cross. I don't like the fact uh, that we have to look to, a, uh, to the Calvary for forgiveness of our sins. I'd rather, I'd rather my own goodness, I'd rather my own way. Friend, Jesus reminded Salome that the king, that's for God to grant. But for the earthly, for their crowns to be given, that's an eternal glory. Friend, may you and I be dedicated enough to Christ that we are willing to suffer for Him for eternity. Let me make this point, and I'll move, I'll move to the close of the number, the last point in the close of the message. It goes back to what I said about the devotion. Those ladies would walk for days to follow Christ, and we can't even get Christians to be faithful to the house of God. They, they have that temporal view of, let, let's, let's just, Christ fix it all today. This world's going to get worse. The only hope is the cross. 
The only hope is the crucifixion. Friend, we can have a political revolution and it will not change the future of this world. Uh, we can have all these things that we say we'd like to ha have take place. It's not going to change the, the future of this world. The only hope is, in a, is a crucified and resurrected Savior. The only hope is Christ. And the quicker we as Christians get our eyes back on that fact and realize that our devotion is to Him, and come what may, we're going to be devoted to Him, and we're not going to have a temporal view. And that leads us to number four this morning. I want us to look once again in our text in Matthew, or Mark chapter 16, if you want to turn back there. We have seen many things about Siloam, but I want us to see, fourthly, the changed viewpoint of Siloam. Now, let me remind you, we know Siloam by who she was related to. We know of her devotion. We know of her misunderstanding that she was looking for the kingdom then, but Christ had come for a greater purpose, to pay for the sin debt of man. This was her viewpoint. It was a temporal viewpoint. Are you with me this morning? It was of now. Let's get rid of this Roman rule now. Let's establish the kingdom now. But Christ was there to do the will of the Father. He was there to pay sin debts. And may we say this morning, glory to God that he did that and that he paid for the sins of all men. But we're going to find a changed viewpoint of Siloam. Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Siloam had bought sweet spices that might come and anoint him. Now let me stop right there. We know in, in the previous chapter she was a witness to the crucifixion. Let me remind you a little bit of what Christ endured. Scripture tells us he was not even recognizable as a man. That does not mean they didn't recognize who he was. They could not tell he was a human being. They could not tell he was a man. He had been beaten and bloodied. And may I remind all of us this morning, he endured that for you. He endured that for me. Christ had never sinned. He had never done anything wrong. He was the perfect son of God. But he endured that so that you and I might have salvation. No church could do that for you. No holy man could do that for you. Only the Son of God could do that. She had witnessed that. Imagine what must have been going through her mind. All of the time that she had heard Christ teach, going back to what we just read in the book of Matthew, chapter number 20, how she believed, as many of the disciples completely misunderstood and missed that he was there to establish his kingdom now. As she looked at him on the cross, it had to run through her mind, the confusion, uh, the, 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 almost the, the unreal circumstance she found herself in. This cannot be the way it's supposed to go. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. How is he going to establish his kingdom if he is being crucified and executed as a criminal? Well, this is where the change of viewpoint comes in. In verse number 2, and very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? I, I, I try and picture this in my mind. You have these ladies. They're all together, you know. They've, they've been following Christ for some time. They've been at the, they were at the crucifixion. They witnessed that. And now they come to the tomb, and they're talking, okay, who's going to roll away the stone? I don't know. We'll just get there and see. We'll find, some, we'll find somebody. It, it, it'll, it'll work out. I, I don't know, but we're going to at least try. And these ladies are up early, and they're whispering. They're, they're trying to get us. Who's going to roll away the stone? 
Verse 4, when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, the place where they laid him. But go your way, till his disciples and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, just as they were in that surreal situation, gazing at that cross. This is trying to reconcile in their minds what was actually taking place. Now they come to the sepulcher, and the stone is rolled away, and it's empty, and there's an angel there saying, Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, go tell Peter, go tell those disciples that he's going to meet them where he said he would meet them. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher. I believe they were, they, were, they were running like some crazy women. I mean, they, were, they, were, they, were fle- they fled and, and from the sepulchre, and they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. We know that Jesus appears unto Mary Magdalene. We find the changed viewpoint of Siloam. It begins to come into focus. It's the crucifixion. It's the resurrection. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read from one other place. I'm going to read from Acts chapter number 1. In Acts chapter number 1, we have the ascension of Christ back to heaven. Those disciples are together again. And Jesus commissions them to go tell the world about a resurrected Christ. He says, the Holy Ghost will have to come upon you. You tell the world of the resurrected Christ. Give them the gospel. He ascends into heaven. They stand there gazing as you and I would. Then the angel asked them, why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus. He's coming again. And in verse number 15, I'm sorry, in verse number 12, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were coming to come, when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. This is that early church. This is those who would pray for the power of the Spirit of God. And in chapter number 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter would preach, and 3,000 would be saved. And from there, the gospel message would spread to around the world. Now, how does that tie into Salome? I believe that she is with those women. Now, there's only one woman named there, and that was Mary, the mother of Jesus. But every other time you find that group of ladies together, they were all present. They were all there as Jesus was was in his ministry in Galilee. They were all there at the the cross watching uh, the crucifixion. 
uh, watching afar off. I believe uh, those, those women that were there the, the morning of the resurrection, uh, you, you're not going to convince me, you're not going to convince me for a second that if they were there at the crucifixion, if they were there at the tomb, they went from the tomb to the empty room, they were going to be there as the church prayed and as the church was empowered to go tell the world that there was a resurrected Savior. Her viewpoint changed from a temporal to an eternal. And friend, that's what you and I need to be reminded of this morning. If you're saved, if you're born again, this is all temporary. It's because of the cross of Calvary. It's because of our salvation through Jesus. We have more to look forward to. Our viewpoint should not be temporal. It ought to be eternal. That's why we as the church have got to tell this world about Jesus because the day is coming when Christ is returning. And if that trumpet sounds in our lifetime, we will meet him in the clouds. But if death comes calling first, this Bible reminds us we don't have to fear it. We don't have to be afraid of it because it's just a portal to pass through eternity because of Calvary. And those that have gone on before us, they are there in their glorified bodies with the Lord Jesus Christ because of Calvary. Friend, this morning, be reminded. Let Salome remind us it's not about what we can see. It's not about the temporary. It's about Calvary. It's about the cross. It's about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. The most important thing you must know is that you're saved, you're born again, that you have believed on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. No religious dogma gets you to heaven. No good works gets you to heaven. Only through the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection and your belief on Christ, paying your sin debt is going to get you to heaven. There's a lot of people who need to stop looking at the temporary. Well, uh, maybe that next presidential cycle, well, something else a little different. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm for better. But my hope is not in that. It's the cross. It's the resurrection. It is what we're to be busy doing because of what Christ did on Calvary and his resurrection. We must change our temporal viewpoint to the eternal. The mother of the sons of Zebedee. Seems to be a pretty insignificant individual. Actually, I hope this morning has reminded us that she's very significant. She's very significant because she was part of that group of women who were devoted and followed Christ. She's very significant because of her own personal devotion to Christ. She's very significant because her and Zebedee and those boys were a family who followed Christ. And it wasn't about the family business. It wasn't about ease and comfort. It was about the Son of God. What a message to every home represented in this room this morning. It's not about the temporal things. It's about the eternal things. No matter how messed up this world is and how upside down it gets, the only thing that matters is if you as an individual have put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that matters for eternity is if you've trusted Christ for your salvation. This morning I would encourage you, if you've yet to do that, I would encourage you to trust Him today 
for your salvation. Serve him. May we identify him, even if it's through suffering, for that eternal glory. James and John are going to rule with Christ. I don't know about a right hand or a left hand. James and John are going to rule with Christ. How many of you are saved this morning on your way to heaven? So are we. And it's because of the same cross that Christ was crucified on. It's because of the empty tomb. This morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, in a moment you're going to have an opportunity to put your faith and trust in Him. Christian, if you're saved this morning, why don't we all? Why don't we all? We all say, because of all the things going on, we say we're in the last days. We say Christ is coming again. He is coming again. We are in the last days. May we all look at the eternal and not so much at the temporal. And may we all commit ourselves to give all of us in our homes and our families. This morning when the invitation begins, husband and wife, I believe I'll be praying and saying, God, we dedicate ourselves anew to give in our home, our marriage to you. Moms and dads that are kneel with their children this morning or, or dedicate their family to the Lord and say, we are giving everything to you. May we follow this example that is set before us this morning. Father, I pray this morning.